Hi, everybody, and welcome to One Question with Pastor Adam. And I am Adam, and I am pastor to believers and to doubters, to unfaithful Christians and to faithful atheists. And uh, Jesus wasn't afraid of questions, and neither are we here at One Question with Pastor Adam. So in today's show, in last week's show, we talked about... Uh, women in the Bible and women leadership in the Bible, because because you remember last week, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, the Southern Baptist Convention said that women could no longer uh, be leaders of churches in their convention. I didn't know they were anyway. I thought they'd already like said, no, oh, sorry, you can't do this. But apparently there are some women who have been leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention of congregations. So the SBC was like, nope, you're done. So we talked about women in leadership in the Bible last week, and uh, that they did this on um, women's at the beginning of Women's History Month. I don't know. that That's kind of salty. That was that was not cool. But so today in today's show, I wanted to continue the theme since it is Women's History Month of uh, is it OK? Now, the the title of the show is Is God a Woman? <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it, uh, one way to phrase this, is it okay to refer to God uh, as a woman? Um, and uh, the short answer is yes. Refer to God however you would like to refer to God. God is good with the pronouns. Uh, God just wants you to talk with her. Ah, did you like that? Oh, good stuff. Uh, so God just wants you to be in relationship with her. And divine feminine imagery runs throughout scripture. And I, in part, am doing this episode. If you're interested in this topic, I would love for you to uh, read some books to go really in depth with this. One of them is Wilda Gaffney, uh, her book, Womanist Midrash. Uh, a reintroduction to the women of the Torah and the throne. This is great, fascinating stuff. Uh, Wilda Gaffney may be the best biblical scholar alive today. Uh, just fantastic. The classic on this topic is She Who Is by Elizabeth Johnson, uh, the mystery of God in feminist theological discourse. Uh, also going to be doing uh, a little bit with, uh, uh, let's see if I can bring it up. Uh, this, God is a black woman. Can I get an amen in the chat section? Christina Cleveland is also amazing theologian, doing amazing work. Um, so highly recommend that one too. And uh, at the end, I'm going to talk a little bit about this idea. Jesus, our mother, uh, studies in the spirituality of the high middle ages. Uh, around the 12th century, uh, men Women theologians Julian of Norwich, Bernard of Clairvaux started talking about Jesus as our mother. Uh, and so <laughs> you, you can make a good argument of uh, Jesus transcends gender, Jesus's transgenderism in Christian history. A lot of people today are using science to talk about Jesus as being male and female, which is great. And you can just look to Christian history to find these traditions of Jesus transcending maleness, uh, transcending cisgender maleness, uh, and including uh, uh, 
non-binary, uh, including feminine uh, aspects within Jesus. Uh, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesus, our mother, a little bit later today, too. So now the question is, one of the things that uh, Christina Cleveland brings up uh, often in uh, God is a Black woman is all we can do when we're talking about God is speak metaphorically. So when we say that God is anything, you have to know that we are speaking metaphorically, right? Uh, this God is, uh, a lot of people want to say, you can't call God a woman because God is beyond gender. So don't refer to God as a woman. Uh, but the problem with that, once I did a sermon on uh, talking about uh, God as a black woman and how much I loved the book, uh, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I just don't really want to refer to God as uh, woman or as man, I just would refer to refer to God as spirit. If that works for you, great, fine. But something inside of me tells me that that doesn't really work for you. <laughs> Excuse me if I'm being, if that's a little judgmental. Uh, but if you are like me and you have grown up in a place called earth <laughs> and you have uh, had any instruction on religion or God, odds are when you think of God, you are going directly to a male image of something, right? And that's not necessarily bad. It's incomplete. That's the problem, is that the male, dominant male imagery that we have received from our religious traditions unless they have been very intentional about balancing this out or, uh, or something like that, uh, you are, your default is probably thinking of God as a man. So it's important to train ourselves. I find it important to train ourselves to think of God in different ways so that we don't make God into an idol, a man, an idol, idolatrous man, the white man up in the sky, right? So, uh, and I caught myself a little bit ago by saying we need to balance this out with feminine imagery. Uh, I don't know if balancing it out is, uh, hopefully we get to a balanced view, but since our default is so focused on the, the maleness of God, uh, maybe we don't need a balance and maybe we need to overcorrect to, to correct, uh, means some of us need to overcorrect, <laughs> Um, not a bad, not in a bad way, but to be more intentional about thinking about God, praying to God in feminine ways, in ways that are other than male. If you want to do non-binary ways, that's awesome. If you want to do trans ways, that is awesome too. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about more about God and, uh, God's transgenderness uh, as we move along in this episode today. So I just want to kind of introduce this to you. And if you want more, if you want to go in more depth, those are, these are excellent resources uh, for you to do that. So we'll get to some uh, comments and questions a little bit later. Uh, in Will's, Will Gaffney's book, uh, womanist Midrash. Will Gaffney is so good. Uh, she goes into in the beginning uh, of her book talks about in the beginning uh, was the word was in the beginning when God created. This is the beginning of the Bible, the first few words of the Bible. And Will Gaffney makes this incredibly important point 
right at the beginning of uh, her book and right at the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while the wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Now, that may sound somewhat familiar to you. Uh, if you have ever tried to read the Bible, you probably got through at least the first verse, right? <laughs> so once you get to the book of Numbers, it's like uh, halfway through Exodus, you're like done. But this uh, is probably one of the most famous passages uh, or verses in the Bible because it's right there in the beginning. Well, uh, there are all kinds of translation issues right here at the very first verse in the Bible. You may not have known this, <laughs> but uh, translators always have an agenda. And nearly from the beginning of translations, uh, there has been a patriarchal agenda, whether it's been uh, intentional or not intentional, that patriarchal agenda is is there. Uh, I don't know if it's like this evil thing that men were like, ah, let's get rid of all these things. And could have been, um, could have been uh, less intentional than that too. Uh, but however it happens, uh, there is a patriarchal agenda that we see right here in the beginning. And that Will Gaffney helps us understand uh, because uh, here in this translation that I have, which is my favorite translation of the Bible, the New Revised Standard Version also has some very big problems. And this is one of those very big problems. Uh, it says, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered over the face of the deep while the wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Now, the wind of God is this Hebrew word ruach. And ruach can be translated as wind, but it can also be translated as spirit. This is, in Christian language, uh, this is the spirit of God. Uh, if you are a uh, traditional Christian, um, you might, uh, well, uh, you might, this is another topic for another show, the Trinity right? Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, three entities of the, of the one God, three persons in some languages, three essences uh, in some ways of talking about the Trinity. But here, the Spirit of God is what hovers over creation. And Ruach, it's the same in the New Testament when it comes to the Spirit, Numa, is feminine, this is the feminine imagery of God that we get in the first verse of the Bible, Ruach. And here's what's, what Will Gaffney points out. Whenever the translators in most translations refer to the spirit of God, this feminine energy that run of God that runs throughout, pulsates throughout creation, uh, it does not use a pronoun, she. It just uses spirit, <laughs> these translations. In the Hebrew, you get the divine feminine uh, of Ruach, of the spirit, really comes through in the original language. But translators, for whatever patriarchal reasons, intentional or not, uh, don't, don't, aren't intentional about making sure that we know that the Ruach is feminine. <laughs> the Ruach is God, of God is feminine. Right. This this uh, runs. If you read uh, Will Gaffney's book, she will point out how in so many places the pronoun for Ruach is thrown away uh, for just saying Ruach. 
So the the she, the ruach of the she is thrown away in these translations. Uh, really, she says in like there are 30 different places, uh, at least 30 different places in the in the Hebrew scriptures where the divine feminine of Ruach is plain and clear. Uh, the Ruach or the spirit rests on certain people on, uh, on, on prophets, uh, for example. Um, and you don't get the pronoun, uh, out of it, the feminine out of it because translators have, uh, kind of thrown it away. So, uh, Translators need to do a better job, including my favorite translation, the New Revised Standard Version. So uh, there are other uh, places that I want to explore with you in Scripture that highlight the divine feminine. One of the things that's really important to notice is that throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, God is referred to as merciful and compassionate. God's mercy and compassion permeate uh, the Hebrew scriptures. It's emphasized over and over and again. And the interesting thing is that in Hebrew and also in uh, the Quran, in the Arabic of the Quran, the word for compassion and mercy is raham. And uh, raham, uh, the root word for raham, for mercy and compassion, is rechem. <laughs> you, you see how similar these words are. Rechem, the root word, means womb, a person's womb. And so God's mercy and compassion is rooted in this word for womb. It's like, it's like a person who is pregnant, a mother, uh, a trans woman who uh who who gives birth that is godlike god is is a, a sorry i messed up i said a trans woman and i was like no that's wrong a trans man uh who gives birth is like god God is uh, compassion and mercy is like a womb, bringing forth more love and compassion and mercy in the world. That is what God is like, this feminine imagery of God right, right there before us. Uh, and so uh, in Genesis 49, 25, uh, we find some more female imagery of God. Uh, it says that uh, you, you get this kind of father image and this mother image. I mean, I think that's what's so important about scripture is that over and over again, we, we get this image by God of your father, by the God of your father, who will help you by the almighty. Now, this is another important word in uh, Hebrew, almighty. It, it uh, is El Shaddai. It's often referred to as God of the mountain. But El Shaddai has uh, root is rooted in the word uh, I think it's Shad in uh, Hebrew, and it means the many-breasted one. That's what this the God of the mountain, this powerful entity, is powerful precisely because uh, this is the God who of the many-breasted one who nourishes us with divine milk and sustains us on the way. So it, here it is: uh, the God of your father who will help you by the 
many-breasted one, the Almighty, who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and the womb. This is where we find throughout Scripture God referred to uh, as the many-breasted one, as the one who has the womb, who gives birth uh, to us, to the world. Uh, in Numbers, uh, Moses and God are having a, an argument, and Moses has brought the people out of Egypt, and God, Moses comes to God and asks some questions. <laughs> it's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to be upset with God, right? Uh, and Moses says in Numbers 11, did I conceive all this people? The answer here is no. And who did conceive these people? God. Uh, did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a suckling child? Here, Moses is referring to God. Moses refers to God as, uh, as a woman, the one uh, who gives birth. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 uh, says that you were, uh, that the people were unmindful of God, the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Now, an interesting thing happens if you uh, quote this passage to some uh, of our more evangelical friends. Uh, this clearly in Deuteronomy 32 uh, has divine feminine imagery in it. The God who gave you birth, right? Uh, and some will look to other translations uh, for this and will find... Uh, Something interesting happening here. The God, the rock that bore you, uh, bore is to carry, uh, can be referred to as a pregnant person who uh, carries someone in their womb. But it can also, this verb can also be used for uh, a father who might carry children. So some translations uh, go the uh, father route and say, you were unmindful of the rock that fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. So here in Deuteronomy, it's talking about God, both in uh, masculine, the father imagery, and also feminine imagery, <laughs> the God who gave you birth, right? Here we get something that transcends gender, a transgendered God. Like if you want to go and say, no, this is talking about the fatherhood of God. Well, uh, it's also talking about God giving birth. So this is the transgender God right here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Uh, if you want to say that uh, the bearing, the carrying uh, refers to a father, could also refer to just a mother who carries a pregnant child, who's pregnant and carries a child, right? Proverbs 8 is uh, another really great passage that talks about the divine feminine. It talks about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is there at the beginning, and the wisdom of God is feminine. God, uh, God's wisdom is uh, is feminine, and uh, it says this in Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice, 
See, here we get the, the feminine pronoun for the wisdom of God. On the heights besides the way, on the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of town, at the entrance to the portals, she cries out. This is uh, the divine feminine in Proverbs uh, chapter 8. Uh, now, some people will say uh, that the divine feminine, the wisdom of God, uh, is not God God's self, right? Uh, and these are, uh, this can be a patriarchal uh, interpretation uh, of it because later on in Christian tradition, uh, Jesus gets associated with wisdom. This is another place where you can find the feminine and the masculine uh, united within Jesus in a very transgender way, a way that transcends our understanding of of maleness and also femaleness. Uh, the early Christians said that this wisdom was also the Christ that was at the beginning of creation. So Christian orthodoxy looks at the wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8, associates it with the Son or with the Christ, uh, the second person of the Trinity. Uh, and so uh, here we have this feminine and masculine merging together uh, early in Christian history. Uh, Job chapter 38 uh, asks, from whose womb did the ice come forth, right? The answer is God's, God's womb. Um, Isaiah 46 uh, also talks about feminine imagery of God uh, and says that um, God is the one who has borne you from your birth, carried you from the womb. Hosea says that God, and these are uh, Isaiah and Hosea are talking during times of great um, distress for the people. They've been conquered by other empires. And these prophets come in and use divine and feminine imagery for God in order to provide some comfort uh, for the people. Hosea says, uh, yet it was I who taught Ephraim or Israel to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. God is like those uh, who lift infants to their cheeks. This is this in Hosea's time is feminine imagery. Uh, God is like uh, a mother who lifts infants to their cheeks and bends down to feed them. Uh, this is uh, another way to think about this is that, you know, God is the one who helps toddlers learn to walk. Uh, I, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Back then, it would have been the mother who grabbed the infants or the toddlers by the hands and, you know, walked them forward. You know, this is very beautiful mothering image of God. You look at the New Testament and Jesus says in John chapter 3 that you must be born again from above. Uh, and uh, when you are born again, uh, you are rebirthed from above. Above is imagery for heaven or from God. How are you going to be born above from above? Uh, the, the womb of heaven, 
the womb of God is rebirthing you into a new state of being. This is divine feminine imagery. Luke chapter 15, Jesus talks about, uh, says some parables. And in this passage, uh, Luke, in Luke 15, Jesus talks about a shepherd, a male shepherd who uh, goes in search of a lost sheep, right? He's got 99 of them. One of them goes off and runs away and the male shepherd goes off and finds the lost sheep. Now, if I were to ask you, uh, who is that male shepherd uh, in this story? <laughs> you would say God, right? Because instantly, I, I think you'd be right. I think that's what God did, what Jesus is trying to get us uh, to understand about God. God is like this shepherd, this male shepherd who goes out in search of sheep. But Jesus is like, ah, I'm not, I'm not done telling stories. <laughs> so instantly Jesus says, eh, it's, it's also like this. The kingdom of heaven is also like this. It's like a, a woman who's lost a coin, goes out uh, in search. She's got 10 coins. She goes out in search of one of her coins and uh, she finds it and celebrates, throws a party. Well, in the first one with the shepherd, everybody's like, oh yeah, that's God. It clearly in the second one, uh, if the first one is like God, the shepherd, then the old woman is just as like God as that shepherd is, right? This is divine feminine right here. Jesus also talks about uh, how he wishes that he was like a mother hen to protect her children in Luke 13. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Are we willing today to be Jesus's brood that goes under Jesus, our uh, mother hen? Uh, and is protected by the mother hen. That's what God is like, according to Jesus, according to Jesus. So uh, now I uh, wanted to do a little, it's just kind of an introduction, get you, get you interested in these books. Jesus as Mother uh, is a book studies in the spirituality of the high middle ages. Uh, I mentioned Bernard of Clairvaux, and uh, Julian of Norwich, uh, both of which refer to Jesus as mother. Uh, starting around the 12th uh, century uh, uh, and moving forward a couple more centuries, you have this real emphasis on referring to Jesus as mother. Jesus uh, in this time uh, is thought of as God. Uh, and so you could, uh, you could say Jesus, God, our, our mother. Uh, and how does this come about? Well, for some of them, uh, there's this very uh, maternal aspect of Jesus uh, that they emphasize. Uh, Jesus is the one who uh, comes to us, supports us, loves us, cares for us in our time of need. Uh, and for others, uh, it is seen as Jesus on the cross, where Jesus uh, is bleeding. And also in one of the Gospels, it shows how Jesus' uh, water breaks forth from Jesus as well. This is Jesus' water breaking, right? Uh, and so Jesus here is birthing a new creation into being. 
here on the cross. He's birthing new relationships. You remember, I think it's the Gospel of John, yeah, where Jesus says to uh, Mary and uh, the beloved disciple who are there uh, that he is, uh, look at your mother and look at your son. Uh, and a lot of people say that uh, they, Jesus is referring to their new relationship uh, between the two of them, to, to John, the beloved disciple, or whoever the beloved disciple is, and uh, Mary. It's forming a new uh, relationship with them, birthing a new relationship uh, to them. Others say when Jesus says, uh, look at your uh, mother, he's talking about himself. There are theologians um, during the 12th century uh, who claim, and throughout Christian tradition, who claim when Jesus says, uh, behold your mother, <laughs> he's talking not about his mother, Mary, but about himself, who's who's birthing this new reality into the world, who's, who is becoming our mother and birthing new relationships of, uh, of love, of compassion, of mercy, this womb-like mercy into the world. So uh, that's most of what I have for you uh, today. Hope that was interesting. There are so many resources that you can find online uh, about more when it comes to the divine feminine uh, in scripture and in Christian theology. Uh, these resources, uh, Womanist Midrash, excellent stuff by Wilda Gaffney, she who is uh, and also God is a black woman. Let's go. Come on. So uh, we'll go to some comments and uh, questions here. Uh, so um, yeah, hope hope that was, uh, what up, Luke? Uh, trans women are women. Uh, amen to that. Uh, Luke says, God can be a woman, but God may also not exist as we know her. I think that, I think that that's all it. Like that is the, when we're talking about God, we're we're really doing our best with metaphors, right? Uh, and so I think that God may also not exist as we know her too. Uh, God is always bigger than our containers. We have to have containers. We're human, right? Um, if we didn't have containers for understanding how the world works, how theology works, uh, we would probably be God. <laughs> God may be the only one who doesn't need some container, but uh, the key is to know that our container is not God, right? Think of the Bible like this as well, right? The Bible is a container of amazing wisdom from the ancient world, uh, right? And uh, I say amazing wisdom, but at the same time, I know that sometimes that amazing wisdom, I don't always agree with, and you probably don't always agree with either. Uh, and so uh, it, part of the wisdom of the Bible is to help us struggle in understanding who God is. Uh, the whole word Israel means, uh, you know, it's the it's when Jacob goes and struggles with God, has the wrestling match with God, right? And then God names Jacob Israel, the people of God. Uh, Israel means one who struggles with God. That's what Jacob did. That's what we're supposed to do too. Right. And so I think that's what we're supposed to do with the Bible as well. And all sacred texts, uh, uh, they are containers uh, for helping us understand who God is, but they are not God. Right. Uh, and I think that we 
uh, have permission, just like Jacob had permission to struggle and wrestle uh, with those containers for who we think God uh, are. Um, so, hey, Joshua, good to see you. Uh, Luke, Mr. Rogers allowed someone to refer to God as a woman on his show, and he was a lifelong Republican and minister. Oh, Mr. Rogers, let's go. Um, yeah, Jesus was definitely transgender. Uh, Annalie, I look forward to the Instagram post uh, seeing that. Uh, in Catholicism, they often refer to Virgin Mary as the fourth person in the Trinity. Uh, I'd have to look that up. Um, also, former Catholic, do shade on the uh, priest cover-up. Yeah. Yep, good stuff. Uh, uh, Luke, whatever works for you. If you want to refer to God as a bowl of chili, um, <laughs> the, the spaghetti monster, right? I don't think God is offended by uh, our our jokes or our chili or our spaghetti monsters. I think I think God is just like, let's talk, let's hang out. Um, Jeff says, when I was a kid, I imagined God as a huge disembodied brain floating far away in space with crab-like claws to catch prayers sent up. <laughs> oh, Jeff, I wish I knew you as a child. Like that, that's, that is an imagination right there. So that is fantastic. Uh, Annalie, to me, God is love and love has no gender from my perspective. I love it. That's uh, that is fantastic. I think that is that is great. Yeah, God is love is the uh, the one definition, two definitions of God in the New Testament. Actually, they both come from First John. Uh, one of them, as Annalie points out, is that God is love. Uh, doesn't say God is love and wrath. God is love and hate. Uh, just says God is love. That's it. That's it. Um, the other one is God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. Um, so. Uh, if, uh, if just referring to God as love works for you, fantastic. I think that is awesome. Um, if you want to throw in some other imagery in there, um, just as long as it's just, just as long as it is not only, uh, male centered, um, but throw in some diversity in there. Uh, the scripture does that. Uh, I think that we can do that too. Jesus does that. So, uh, there we go. Uh, uh, gender is spoken of in Genesis as God was creating. Patty, excellent point. This is also uh, important uh, to point out. So when God creates humans in Genesis chapter one, uh, God creates them male and female in God's image, right? And so uh, God's image must have male and female within God's image. And again, this is we're we're speaking about God, and so uh, none of our God language is going to be completely adequate. Uh, and so, but the, what this uh, it, creation of the human is getting at is that in our imagery of God, uh, you can include male and female in that image. Um, I personally think that this first human was transgender. I, I think this first human was male and female. Uh, and in the creation story, Wilda Gaffney goes through this in her book, uh, Womanist Midrash, beautifully. Uh, the, the first human, the Adam, uh, created from dust, from the dirt, uh, is male and female. It's only afterwards where, uh, where 
uh, Eve gets created and uh, something, the rib comes from the Adam uh, that male and female get separated. So the proto-human uh, transcends gender, is both genders and transcends gender, is this uh, human category that we still have today um, of male and female. You may call this intersex. You may call this uh, transgender. You know, the first human has this transformation uh, where something is taken from them to create something else, right? Uh, and so that's a that's a process. That's a transformation of uh, this person's body right there in the in the first story of the humans. Uh, the Trinity is stolen from Hinduism. Luke says, "I need to look into that. I I I wouldn't doubt it." Um, so uh, uh, let's see. Hannah says, "You do great stuff as always, Adam." Oh, Hannah, you are so. You're so nice, Hannah. Uh, do you have any ideas or resources about how the dualism, a kind of Mars-Venus differentiation, a traditional goddess theology might not be helpful since it leaves out the non-binary aspect? Uh, yeah, I think um, I think uh, moving to a uh, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about a lot, a lot more about that. Uh, while I agree with its criticisms of male-centered Christianity, I also hated Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. Uh, whether or not it is a hierarchical binary or a more level dualism, I have some serious qualms about the gender essentialism of gods and goddesses. Both. Uh, yeah, I think that's where. I think that's that's where we're we're stretching and trying to find metaphors. Uh, I. Uh, for talking about God and all, none of this, none of this, hopefully what, if you get a degree in theology or you study theology more and more, you begin to find that uh, none of this language is adequate, right? Um, pronouns for God, uh, genders for God, um, non-binary non uh, might be a really great way to go. I think that the the masculine imagery of God is so pervasive that uh, I think Will Gaffney talks about this in her book. It's so pervasive that um, we could, we could use a little going in other directions, uh, feminine imagery, transgender imagery, non-binary imagery. Uh, I, I think that that's good. Um, I remember hating the Da Vinci code too. Uh, Hannah, we, should talk sometime about our mutual hatred for the Da Vinci code. <laughs> that would be, that would be awesome. Uh, Luke says God is like a bunch of atoms crashing together until they formulate something far more intricate. I like that. The, um, God is like, right. That's the, that's the metaphor, you know, the, uh, the great, uh, theological term for, um, uh, talking about God, uh, is not talking about God. <laughs> The apophatic tradition where it's just like, you know, maybe we shouldn't say anything about God. Uh, maybe maybe uh, it should just be contemplation uh, because none of our language is adequate. It's all going to fail and fall. Um, so as long as we don't uh, force, I don't know, our imagery of God onto others and help uh, our own imagery expand, uh, maybe that's maybe that's the way to go. So, uh, okay. Um, I, okay. So here we go. 
Lindsay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Lindsay. Oh. Todd, the unknown things that humans have tried to define, explain, and or make sense of most often seems to lead to tragedy. I feel better off not dwelling on or knowing these mysteries with the hope that it will be revealed on a need-to-know basis. Oh, that's good. In the meantime, I'm content to treat others the way I wish to be treated. Todd, that, I love it, Todd. That is, that is good stuff. Thank you. Um, Luke says, all women should have the right to choose and it should be easy, accessible, and common. Yes, all, all women and all people who are pregnant uh, should have the right to choose. Absolutely, Luke. Thank you for that. Women and people, uh, oh my goodness, I'm having a hard time with the internet. Uh, women and people with uteruses. Yep, that's right, Luke. Good. Uh, as not all women do. Um, so that's good. Uh, hi, Emily. Uh, Lady Wisdom. Yep. That's the divine feminine right there, Emily. Good stuff. Uh, uh, God is the many, not the few. I think that's where Hinduism, the Trinity uh, is getting at. Um, I like that, Luke. Thank you. God is the many. Uh, more inclusive. Includes more and more. Uh, environmental justice. Good, good. Okay, Jeff says the 90 plus 9, couldn't it all also be interpreted that God is the lost sheep and that we should abandon all else and seek God? Well, Jeff, that is some subversive reading right there. Yes, I love that idea. Next time that passage comes up, uh, Jeff, you are preaching, okay? <laughs> Deal? Deal, okay? God is lost, is the lost sheep, and we should abandon all else to seek God. That is... Uh, it kind of reminds me of John chapter one, Jeff, where uh, it's doing some midrash on Genesis chapter one. Uh, and in John chapter one, it's humans who kick God out of the garden. All right. Uh, we don't want you here, Jesus. Uh, and so maybe Jesus is off and lost. And our job is to go find Jesus, our mother. Did you like that? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Okay. Uh, Teresa says a uh, a few as we in recovery call old timers hooked me uh, with the saying, we do not care what or who you call God as long as you know you ain't it. <laughs> Don't care what you call God as long as you know that you ain't God. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, more on Hinduism and uh, Trinity and stuff. I, I would be very interested in this. Um, so... Uh, good stuff. Yes. Uh, hi, Courtney. Good to see you. God and heart. God is love. Uh, Lita says God is inclusive, filled with uh, love uh, for all of us. Yes. Good. So uh, thank you for your comments and thank you for your questions. These are just some thoughts. Uh, if you want to uh, get thinking more on this, uh, the book, Jesus, Our Mother, Studies in Spirituality of the High and Middle Ages by Carolyn Walker Bynum uh, is a good one. And uh, Wilda Gaffney's Womanist Midrash. Wilda Gaffney, I just can't uh, recommend her enough. You can find videos of uh, Wilda on, on YouTube. Good stuff. She Who Is, uh, God is She Who Is by Elizabeth Johnson. And God is a Black Woman. Uh, here we go by Christina Cleveland, all uh, amazing womanist 
feminist theology uh, right there. So uh, thank you all for helping explore this uh, topic with me. Thank you for your comments. Uh, and um, yeah, I hope you have a, a great rest of your day. And we will do this all again next week on One Question with Pastor Adam. And uh, yeah, okay. So Laura says, uh, I was going to share the, oh, okay, awesome. And uh, Jessica says, I love that. I think we find God in our neighbors. Uh, yeah, your uh, transgender neighbors, your uh, women, uh, neighbors who identify as women and neighbors who identify as men, right? Uh, we find, that's where we find God. And because uh, um, God is, uh, we are in the image of God, right? So uh, so there you go. Good stuff. So uh, thank you everybody for being here. You can keep up with one question wherever you uh, watch your or listen to your podcasts. Uh, and uh, you can also join me live on Thursdays at 11 o'clock Pacific on the Clackamas UCC Facebook page and the Pastor Adam Facebook page. So, uh, so hey, Sarah, good to see you. So uh, we will do this again next week, everybody. So I hope you have a great rest of your day. And uh, until next time, God be with you.